There was a pretty big gap between the top four and the bottom four in the Atlantic Division last season. Based on some moves made by a couple of the bottom four teams, it appears as though that gap has been reduced. On today's episode, I'm looking at a summer edition of the Atlantic Division Power Rankings to look at where the Bruins fit in this current landscape. Let's get into it, shall we? Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren. And this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Bruins part of your day. The podcast is free and available on all platforms. Wherever you get your podcasts, search out Locked On Boston Bruins. Hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. The podcast is also available in video form on YouTube. Same thing, look up Locked On Boston Bruins, hit that subscribe button. Uh, We're almost at 550 subscribers, would love to get that number up and up as the summer progresses. Those of you on social media can find the podcast at Locked NHL Bruins on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me, my dad jokes and hockey tweets at Ian C. McLaren. Happy Tuesday. It's July 26th. I hope you're all having a great week. And on today's episode, we're going to look at the Atlantic Division and where the Bruins fit in the current landscape based on some moves made by them them, and other teams so far this offseason. Now, when I did the Atlantic Division Power Rankings throughout this past season, it was clear that there was a distinct break between the top four and the bottom four to the point where we kind of scrapped the Atlantic Division power rankings and incorporated the Metro Division because teams over there were much closer to catching the Bruins in the race for a playoff spot than were the Atlantic Division opponents. You had the Panthers, Maple Leafs, Lightning and Bruins in the top four, all with over 100 points. And then you had the Sabres, Red Wings, Senators, and Canadians. Sabres and Senators in fifth and seventh, respectively, with the Red Wings in sixth, all separated by two points. Sabres with 75, Red Wings with 74, Senators with 73. And then you had the Canadians down in 8th uh, place, 18 points behind Ottawa with 55 points, a minus 98 goal differential. The Canadians, of course, ended up with the first overall pick at the NHL entry draft, and they used that to select Juraj um, Slavkowski. A very surprising pick, seeing as Shane Wright had been the number one consensus pick for quite some time. They also picked up 
Kirby Doc from the Chicago Blackhawks. They've added Evgeny Dadnov from the Vegas Golden Knights. And they pulled off a trade with the Pittsburgh Penguins, adding Mike Matheson in exchange for Jeff Petrie. Overall, the Canadians still in building mode. They're still trying to get rid of some contracts, I believe, in the form of, you know, uh, Mike Hoffman, perhaps Josh Anderson. They are still not quite ready to challenge for a playoff spot. They're still kind of in between the up-and-coming core, built around Suzuki, Caulfield, Doc, Slavkowski, and, um, you know, not quite ready to take that next step. So I still expect that they will be at or near the bottom of the Atlantic next season. Another team that hasn't really done much is the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they, yeah, haven't really done anything in free agency. They signed Malcolm Subban. They signed Vinny Hinestroza. And they brought Craig Anderson back as goaltender. In fact, uh, they will be led by a duo of Eric Comrie, who was also signed, and... Uh, Craig Anderson, not as much as I love the Anderson family, uh, not a goaltending duo that inspires confidence. They did add Kale Clegg, Ilya Labushkin on defense, and they do have a bunch of younger players eager to take the next step in their development, and Alex Tuck, Casey Middlestat, uh, Dylan Cousins. Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, Rasmus Dahlin, I think, is going to have a breakout season. Owen Power is going to emerge as a star defenseman. But this team still, again, kind of like Montreal. They have some young, up-and-coming stars, but they're also stuck with some veterans like a Jeff Skinner, Kyle Ocaposo. Still serviceable, but taking up large amounts of cap space. And that's going to hinder them from taking a next step. But that brings us to two teams that have made significant improvements. And that could narrow the gap between 5th uh, and 6th place and 4th place in the Atlantic Division. The first of those teams being the Detroit Red Wings. Now there's a caveat here, as we saw with the Bruins last season, they brought in a bunch of new faces and it took some time for them to gel, figure out where everybody fit in the lineup. The Red Wings have brought in Austin Zarnick, David Perron, Dominic Kubelik, Ben Sherratt, Ole Mata, Andrew Kopp, as well as Vili Husso to serve as net partner with Alex Nedeljkovic. They join a core of Dylan Larkin. Andrew Kopp was also signed. 
uh, Jacob Verana, Tyler Bertuzzi, David Perron. Some really good pieces that Detroit has in the mix. Whether or not they're the right fit for one another, you have Ben Sherratt as your top paid defenseman. Uh, he was listed this morning in The Athletic as having one of the worst contracts in the NHL. He's only being paid 4.75, but that just shows you how much his value is skewed. So is he going to help? Is he going to help Moritz Sider, Philip Ronick, with uh, their defensive and offensive responsibilities? I'm not really sure. Huso, Nedeljkovic, they are making more than Olmark and Swayman. And I'm not sure if they're a better tandem. Neither really able to uh, carry the load for a team for an extended period of time. So the Red Wings are better. Whether or not they're a playoff team definitely remains to be seen. Before I get to the Ottawa Senators and the top four, a quick word about Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live betting scores and podcasts they have you covered head to bet online today use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at bet online where the game starts all right so moving on to the top five teams in the atlantic i think again the red wings have made some noise this offseason not quite sure if they're ready to enter into the playoff conversation. And keep in mind as well, Tyler Bertuzzi, as far as we know, not yet vaccinated, so that will keep him from traveling to Canadian cities for their teams, for their games up here this season. So let's move to the Ottawa Senators. They have made perhaps the flashiest, or some of the flashiest moves this offseason. They... Of course, traded for Alex Dabrinkit on draft day. They traded for Cam Talbot. They also traded Matt Murray. So their um, goaltending duo is Talbot and Anton Forsberg, which is pretty strong. Uh, Then, of course, they signed Claude Giroux on the first day of free agency. And they also signed Josh Norris to a huge contract extension. Their top six is now looking exceptional between Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Giroux, Debrinkit, Drake Batherson, and Tim Stutzel. They do have some questions on the back end. I love Thomas Shabbat, but Zaitsev, Travis Hamanick, Artem Zub, Nick Holden, not very inspiring, although they do have some youngsters in Jake Sanderson, 
and Eric Branstrom, perhaps even uh, Jacob Bernard Docker that could take the next step if they're able to move some of these defensemen. They also have $3.6 million tied up in buyouts as well as $1.5 being paid to Matt Murray. Anyways, they have an exceptional top six. Like I said, their goaltending duo is strengthened in Talbot and Forsberg, but they do have some questions on the back end for sure. And there's also some questions about Alex Fermentin and Drake Batherson and their involvement in the 2018 Team Canada sexual assault investigation. I believe they are two of three players who have yet to release any statement. And for Menton, having been based in London, there are some signs pointing to their involvement in that situation. A lot of scrutiny on Hockey Canada this offseason, and rightfully so. And there could be some sanctions placed on these players if indeed um, they were involved in that situation. So that could be a big hit to the Ottawa Senators, but obviously the right thing to do if they were involved. So that's something to be aware of for sure. I'm going to skip over the Bruins for a moment as we've talked about them at length already. Let's look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, shall we? I mentioned that Ilya Labushkin signed with the Sabres, so obviously that's a loss on their blue line. They also decided to trade Peter Mrazek and not re-sign Jack Campbell, bringing in Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov from the Washington Capitals as their new goaltending duo. Two guys that have underperformed and seems like a risk for Kyle Dubois and company to put their hopes on this duo. Again, the hope is that they, kind of like Colorado this season, would be able to kind of outscore the opposition and win regardless of perhaps average at best goaltending. They also boosted their depth by bringing in Nicholas Obekubel, Adam Gaudet, uh, Victor Mete, Jordy Ben, Callie Yernkrock. You know, kind of shifting the deck chairs depth-wise and continuing to rely on Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, William Nylander to get the job done. They're currently over the cap, so they have to move out some money. Perhaps Alexander Kerfoot might be on the move. Um, but it's going to be important for them to really get things done sooner than later, seeing as Austin Matthews is signed for only two more seasons. And John Tavares, their return on investment from him is quickly dwindling as well. Overall, did they get better? They re-signed Mark Giordano very cheaply, so that is good value for them. But 
the goaltending still a big question mark. Um, and the question is, of course, can their big guys step up when it matters most, as they have yet to do in the postseason? The Florida Panthers, I think, also have kind of taken a step back. They most recently traded Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger to the Calgary Flames in exchange for Matthew Kachuk. On the surface, whether or not Huberto and Weger re-sign in Calgary, that makes them not as good this season, that being the Florida Panthers. Weger, one of the more underrated defensemen in the NHL, he was arguably their best defenseman. And that's going to be a really big loss for them. They didn't really do much else in free agency either. They signed Mark Stahl, uh, Colin White. I believe they even signed Eric Stahl to a professional tryout. And they will also be without Anthony Duclair to begin the season, a guy who chipped in a lot of offense last year but who suffered an Achilles injury and will be out of the lineup to begin the season. They're also continuing to pay Sergei Bobrovsky for four more seasons at $10 million per 9-11 save percentage in the playoffs. Wasn't able to get the job done against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Speaking of those Lightning, they really uh, went to great lengths to sign some core players in Mikhail Sergeyev, Anthony Sorelli, and Eric Cernak. They brought Vladislav Nemestikov back to um, shore up their forward depth, which took a hit when Andre Palat left and signed with the New Jersey Devils. Nicholas Paul remains in the mix after signing a contract extension. And of course, they still have a formidable top three, four in terms of forward depth in Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Kalorn, uh, Nicholas Paul in that group as well. They're hoping to get more from Brandon Hagel uh, and Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, locking things down on the back end they're still going to be a pretty competitive team. Before we get to where the Bruins fit in all this, I want to thank you again for making Locked On Boston Bruins part of your day, every day. Check your podcast feeds and YouTube to subscribe and get all the latest. Now make your second list in the Locked On NHL podcast. Locked On experts give you daily 30-minute updates on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. All right, so where do the Bruins fit in the Atlantic Division picture at the moment? Well, there's a lot of question marks right now. As we talked yesterday on the podcast... Their center depth is lacking with Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci having yet to sign contracts. 
as they are believed to be, maybe not on the verge of, but something that's going to be happening this summer. They also have some key injuries to begin the season in Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzlick, Mike Riley. So altogether, their opening night roster would be in the bottom four for sure in the Atlantic Division. What will be key is Jim Montgomery coming in, trying to get the most out of some younger guys, trying to re-energize some veterans like a Nick Felino, perhaps, uh, incorporating Pavel Zaka into the lineup. Hopefully he can fill some of the void left by Brad Marchand. Just keep this team afloat until December 1st when some of these guys are expected to be back in the lineup. I should mention, of course, that the Florida Panthers have a new head coach in Paul Maurice. So their kind of offensive approach under Andrew Brunette may be tempered a bit as Maurice preaches a new, more defensively responsible game. So that could take some adjustment. The Red Wings also have a new head coach in Derek Lalone, so there'll be an adjustment period there as well. So for the Bruins to remain in the top four, they need to withstand these early injuries. They certainly need Bergeron and Krejci in the lineup. They need Jake DeBrusque to continue to score. And they need some younger guys like a Jack Stanika, Trent Frederick, Oscar Steen, Mark McLaughlin perhaps, Fabian Lysel maybe, to step up and help carry the load early on. Are the Bruins still a playoff team? Again, that depends on whether or not Bergeron and Krejci are back, or Bergeron at least. Um, if those two aren't in the mix, especially Bergeron, then the Bruins will be in serious trouble. With those two guys back, with everyone healthy, and if they can stay afloat over the first couple, you know, six weeks or so, then they should be okay. Some of that depends on the Metro division as well, where we've seen teams take a step back. We've seen teams trying to take steps forward. Johnny Gaudreau in Columbus. Um... But when it comes to the Atlantic Division, I still see Montreal-Buffalo near the bottom. Uh, Detroit, Ottawa definitely making positive steps forward. Ottawa especially. Boston could take a step back. I think Florida is going to take a step back. Uh, Toronto depends on whether or not they can get sufficient goaltending in Tampa Bay despite losing Andre Palat they still remain the class of the division in my mind after advancing to the Stanley Cup final for the third straight year two championships recently and you know as long as they have Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Hedman, Point they're going to be competitive for sure and one of the better teams in the division, much less the NHL. Let me know in the comments how you see these eight teams stacking up. Again, right now I have Tampa, Toronto, 
Florida, Boston, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, and Montreal. Let me know if you agree, disagree, and we'll talk about it again as more pieces fall into place. Later this week on the podcast, I'm going to open up the mailbag, so if you have any questions, feel free to send them in to at LockedNHLBruins on Twitter, to the YouTube page, and uh, I'll be happy to answer those. You can also DM on Instagram. Hope you're all having a great week so far. It is a sunny, cooler day here, which is nice. And uh, yeah, just continue to wait on some more pieces to fall into place for the Boston Bruins. Seems like a bunch of current and former players are over in Italy at the moment. So maybe they're not really in negotiation mode or they're leaving it up to their uh, agents. I still think the Bruins need to move some money out in order to make those commitments for this season. And uh, they need to get the Pavel Zaka situation sorted as well. Not to mention a David Pasternak contract extension. Anyways, that's it for today's episode, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you again here tomorrow on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day.